frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Film Code. My name is Phoenix Cloudin, and joined by finally our full cast once again. Uh, welcome back, Zach Sneef. Zach, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, man. Uh, excited to talk about Django. Just watch it, rewatch it this week, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. Awesome, awesome, and uh, of course, joined by our season three code-breaking champion the one and only sir brandon <laughs> how are you sir man i'm good phoenix it's good to be back uh took a, a couple weeks hiatus had some personal stuff going on and got roped into a couple family things so um it's good to be back it's good to be talking it's good to be back talking more movies um as we mentioned prior um on last week's episode um, the reason we're going back and reviewing older films is the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild are still currently on strike, meaning uh, we are not allowed to review newer films. So that being said, uh, we yeah, we decided, hey, why don't we just go back and talk about some films that we've seen in the past, films that come out in the past. We're like, cool, let's go ahead and watch it. So, uh, yeah. How are you doing, Phoenix? I'm excellent. We are talking... Django Unchained, the uh, 2012 film directed by Quentin, sorry, written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, stars Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kerry Washington, and Samuel L. Jackson. Also features uh, Walton Goggins uh, and Bruce Dern, Jonah Hill, Zoe Bell. Obviously, you got to have Zoe Bell in there. And of course, you got to have Quentin Tarantino making a, a appearance himself as well. Uh, this movie <laughs> was, I want to say the seventh, eighth, seventh, seventh film in Quentin Tarantino's filmography, somewhere around there. Um, and, uh, it is one of three revisionist dramas that he's done. Uh, this one taking place during the time of slavery. Uh, very bold, I would say. <laughs> Uh, concept and approach, but uh, ended up being, in my opinion, one of his best films. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, very curious. I don't know. I think Zach, you mentioned this is a rewatch for you, Brandon. This was a first watch for you, correct? Yes, it was. Um, ever since uh, Indiana Jones be- ended up being duty, I'm like, you know what? Uh, I need to. I need to remind myself that movies can be good again. Um, so I started. I, I, I kid you not. I've started going through and just like started like re, like watching a lot of movies I haven't seen before. And on that list uh, was I guess it was kind of top of the list because I watched it like like the second or third week in. I wa- I finally watched Django Unchained, and like this was last month, almost a month ago. And just, I, I loved this movie so much and just, I, I can't wait to dive more into it. Um, but I'll leave it at that. I really, really loved this movie. And it's funny cause, um, I went through and just started binging all of Tarantino's films over the past month. And I just finally finished 
with a rewatch of um, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood yesterday. Uh, I ended it with that. And it's just so funny to see, uh, like, I'm just talking grand spectrum of Tarantino here. It is so funny to see um, how Quentin Tarantino just recasts people, brings people in for cameos. It's just so funny. Like, he had Al Pacino in there for, like, two minutes in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, Like, Tim Roth was in Pulp Fiction for, like, five minutes because because of his role in Reservoir Dogs. It's just seeing him bring back all these people that he's had be on the in the past just as cameos or like mainstream characters it's it's just so funny to me and just seeing the progression of quentin tarantino because i i mean i didn't go in order i kind of just jumped all over the place mm, um that's an interesting strategy <laughs> yeah i mean because i mean i i didn't really know it was this big grand thing of oh this is the first film by tarantino this is the seventh yeah. film by tarantino it was just for me i'm like you know what? I have a few. I have a lot of Quentin Tarantino blind spots. Let me go ahead and just watch the ones I haven't seen yet. Yeah. So I finally ended with Pulp Fiction and Once Upon a Time, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I was able to fully rank them. And apparently, they're not good enough for Phoenix. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. We'll get into that a little later. Uh, so Zach, having rewatched it now, what are your what are your takeaways from Django and Shade? Uh, I, I love Django. I think Jamie Foxx is one of his best performances I've seen from him. I really enjoy it. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is, uh, well, interesting, I guess you could say in this movie. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about it. I don't know whether to applaud his performance or I, I don't know. I feel like that would be wrong, but <laughs> he played the character well, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, Phoenix. Uh, question for you: How was it? How is it watching this movie? Uh, like, and then hearing this, like, what what's it like for you? Like, hearing white people say, you know, <laughs> racial slurs like this, like, and you know, it's shot like in recent times. Yeah. Um. You know it 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 never bothered me. <laughs> like, I, like. Okay. Yeah, it literally never bothered me. Um, what's what's interesting to me is like Quentin Tarantino has several movies where he uses the N word, and it's like completely unwarranted. Like so, here finally, it's like, oh, okay, at least you have a setting, <laughs> like and a reason to use it. So it's like, okay, and because of that, he goes crazy. Like I think he's like he does it at least. This probably has like someone said like this has the record for the most uses of the N word in a single film, and I think it's like like a hundred and twenty or something. Like like it's ridiculous. Like so, but yeah, like because of the setting, because of the story that it is, like it never really bothered me. And again, like the story is so interesting and so intricate, and I especially appreciate that he's doing a sort of uh, revisionist version of this story so that you get a black hero at the end, you know, saying a free slave who ends up being a black hero, who ends up being an abolitionist, a bounty hunter, you know what I'm saying? So you get that, that, that to me, I was like, you know what, if it takes 120 N words to get to this point, I'm okay with it. (laughs) Yeah. Part like, actually you bring up, uh, Zach, you bring up Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, he was having a, a a tough time actually filming this this movie 
because of how much, you know, of racism he had to like pretty much portray. And he was, he was very, you know, it was several scenes where he was just deeply uncomfortable with what he had to do. And it was Samuel L. Jackson who was like, dude, we got you. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we know what this is. This is just another Tuesday for us. You know what I'm saying? You just, you just got to do what you got to do. And that's what actually got him through uh, performing in this is just, you know, Sam Jackson being like, you know, and Sam Jackson is Tarantino's most ardent <laughs> collaborator in many of his projects. So, like, if Sam Jackson says it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> you know, it, what's, it, what's pretty funny is um, I actually saw an interview uh, where Sam Jackson was getting interviewed, I think, for this movie. It was uh-huh. this movie or Hateful Eight. And uh, the interviewer, the white guy, asked him a question. He was like, he was like, we'll talk about the use of the N-word in this movie. And Sam Jackson was, what, nice? <laughs> Nicotine? I don't know. I don't know what you're. Refer, I don't know what word you're referring to. And he he tried to get him to say it. He's like he's like I'm not moving on with this question until you say it. And he never said it. Yeah. God bless Sam Jackson, man. <laughs> what a great guy. So his character uh, in this movie though makes me want to smack Sam Jackson in the movie, dude. I swear to God, I don't know if it's a typecast or what. He is some of the most. He's one of the most stubborn characters in all of his roles. <laughs> well, I mean, he in works every it, movie. He he works it to perfection, though. Especially Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, he's very stubborn. Mace uh, Windu is forever the worst Jedi. <laughs> oh man! But that's like, a discussion for another time. Yeah, we'll get to that later. Uh, but. Let's start there. Let's start from the beginning, I guess. <laughs> Do you know what a bounty hunter is? You kill people, and they give you a reward. Hmm. Better they are, bigger the reward. I need your help. I'm looking for the Brittle Brothers. However, I don't know what they look like, but you do. <laughs> don't you? They caught my wife, and they sold her, but I don't know who to means we visit every plantation until we find them. Once a final brittle brother lies dead in the dust, I agree to give you your freedom, and I'll take you to rescue your wife. Where are we going? Yes! <laughs> Gentlemen, you had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. What's your name? Django. The D is silent. So, like, I mean, I I get why you would ask that, Zach, because like, there's a lot of imagery in this in this movie where like it's very authentic, right? Like, they go for the authenticity of the time period. So you see a lot of chattel slavery and that's literally like one of the first shots that comes, uh, in the frame in the, in this movie is, you know, a bunch of, a bunch of slaves being, you know, dragged around like chattel chained to each other. Um, and it's, it's some horrifying imagery, you know what I'm saying? Based on the history, 
there's that. There's the Mandingo fight, which is really like deeply uncomfortable to watch. Um, the you know, there's scenes of of whipping and torture and stuff like that, like the hot box, all of that stuff where it's like, oh, okay, like you you kind of get a, an idea of what this period was like, and I feel like they do an excellent job of conveying that no matter how really deeply uncomfortable it looks so i guess kudos (laughs) but yeah it's a it's some strong imagery uh throughout this film yeah um i guess can we break the seal of spoilers now I, I can't go without mentioning this scene because I feel like if we once we dive into this, I will forget to mention it. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio, when he smacks his hand on the table and accidentally <laughs> like breaks the glass and his mm-hmm. hand is actually bleeding and he just keeps going, Tarantino keeps rolling. Holy shit, dude. <laughs> like, excuse my language here for a second, but oh my God, I did not expect that. Yeah, that was neither did Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> but yeah, like uh he just he he just went for it. Like when you're when you're in the zone, man, you just go. And yeah, he just took off with it and that's a that's an, an incredible scene. Like an incredibly written scene, but also just an incredibly acted scene. Like yeah. Tremendous. Tremendous. It reminds I, me of uh Babylon with Brad Pitt's character mm-hmm. where he's like super drunk and like stumbling up the hill and then he finally gets there and then like he acts like completely normal and like acts like to perfection. That's mm-hmm. what that reminded me of. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love I I don't I don't mean to talk about Babylon here but that that movie is just so good. We know I love that. So, so the West of the world will 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 never know. But yes, um, I do think it's weird. He uh, this this movie should have received more awards recognition, and I think it only got. I think it got. Uh, I think it did get best picture. I think I'll have to double check on that. But I know it got supporting actor for Christoph Waltz and. It got supporting actor for Christoph Waltz, screenplay, mm-hmm. best picture, best cinematography, and best sound editing. Oh, so you got a lot. Okay, yeah, but nothing for Leonardo DiCaprio, nothing for Jamie Foxx. That that seems weird. DiCaprio that, didn't get his Oscar till The Revenant. Yeah, I know, which is disgusting. <laughs> yeah, he. Th- this is one of those movies where he absolutely should have at least gotten a nomination. The fact that he didn't get a nomination is kind of... Maybe it's just because of how it would look for Hollywood to nominate that kind (laughs) of character. Maybe. I mean, but again, he did a stellar job, so like... I mean, yeah, but then, you know, it's all the political... Well, what... If we nominate him, what, you know, what's everyone gonna... I think that probably played into it. I'm Hold sure on, let me, let me pull up the official that. Oscars thing because I think he was nominated. Was no, he? he? Wasn't. Actor leading role, actor supporting role. 
Darn, no, yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> he was not, which is crazy. And and I don't know why Jamie Foxx wasn't nominated either. Like, maybe this was too close to his performance in Ray, but I, I thought he was sensational here. And, you know, but whatever. That's a conversation for another time. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, but the movie itself, like, Aside from, like I said, the the pretty spot on imagery, um, to me, the there's three things that stand out 100% is the acting, the uh, the writing, and the, and the 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 key ingredient that you need in all Tarantino films, which is a astounding amount of violence, <laughs> an astounding amount. And, oh, and an insane amount of gore. Yes, and and like I've seen all of Tarantino's films, and they're all pretty, you know, varying degrees of extreme. But this might be the most violent one. I think, <laughs> like, I think this might be the most violent one. What, like, I'm gonna have to you've agree. just seen all of them, yeah. Like, I would say so. Hateful Eight is definitely up there. Um, Pulp Fiction is definitely up there. Kill Bill is obviously up there, but like in terms of like just brutal <laughs> violence, I think Django is definitely definitely takes the cake. One hundred percent. And you know what's funny is like um, I like speaking of the gore, just it, it, you don't really notice how like crazy it is until the third act. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Django is just going off in the mansion. <laughs> it's just so much, like so very much there, and I love. It. Like, I think I think that's what cemented my love for this film was like that entire third act. I'm like, oh my god, I can't believe they're actually showing this stuff on screen. Nice. Yeah, but yeah, um, I want to I want to shoot towards the uh, the beginning of the film here for a second again. Um, and talk about like what really made me invested in this film is when they first, when Django and I forget Christoph Waltz's character. Hold on, um, uh, Doctor King Schultz. Okay, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Schultz and Django sit down at that bar, and the, the bartender's like super offended that uh, a black man's sitting in his bar, and he went to get the sheriff. And I'm just I'm trying to piece together what what Schultz is trying to do here. I'm like, what are you up to? Why are you doing this? <laughs> and then they eventually show like like he kills the sheriff, and then they had like all, a bunch of armed like hired guns there trying to about to murder him. I'm like, okay, what is your plan here? Why did you do this? And then he takes out the bounty. I'm like, no way, dude. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I officially love this film. <laughs> I gotta say, as much as I am disappointed that Jamie Lee, uh, Jamie Fox and um and Leonardo DiCaprio didn't get nominated. Christoph Waltz's nomination was completely justified. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Like completely. Uh, the character of Schultz is awesome. Like a very, very great character. Uh, you know, funny, like creative. Uh, I what I love is that he's a bounty hunter, which is you know a violent you know, and especially in this time, he's a killer. He's essentially an assassin, you know, before they had, before they called him that. And he's, and he plays the character so endearing and so sweet. And it's like, this is a guy who's, you know, who's murdering people. 
one of my favorite scenes is when they go to uh uh Big Daddy's ranch. I guess that's his name. The guy who looks like uh, you know, uh the KFC <laughs> Colonel <laughs> Sanders. Colonel Sanders, yeah. He looks like that guy. And they go to his ranch and, you know, Django kills the brothers. Well, he kills uh-huh. two of the brothers. And it's the scene where Christoph Waltz is like, you know, aiming for the last guy. <laughs> and he's super calm and super like, you know, sweet, like, hey, you sure this is him? And he's like, yeah. He's like, are you positive? He's like, I don't know what that means. He's like, it means you're sure. It's like, yeah. He's like, I'm sure that's him. Bow. Like, like <laughs> not not even a second thought. Just like, he's <laughs> like, okay, cool. We're acing this guy. Like, that's it. And he's just super calm and sweet about it. So, like, I I dig that character. Like, and in multiple ways, like, there are multiple scenes where everything he does is is a calculated decision and he's a very like honest guy despite mm-hmm. his profession so i really dug, i really dug that character yeah so that i um something i really love is like after that scene and they want to get retaliation so they send the kkk and, oh, and, and then they're like, they're like, they're like, man, these masks are so uncomfortable. I can't see out of them. And the one guy's like, man, my wife spent all day making these. Yeah. <laughs> and they all get blown to hell. Like, it's so funny because uh, Tarantino, he, he, he was asked about that because I guess somebody said, like, why did you portray the KKK sort of goofy like that? And he basically said, because... Fuck them. That's why, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, because they are. They, like, what they stand for is idiotic. So they should be treated as idiots. So, yeah. Like, and I was just like, that's the perfect explanation for that. So I'm like, yeah. So that's, that's why they're, they're, it's, it's so funny to me because in a movie this dark, like, to have that scene be the comedic relief. That was hilarious. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like just from a writing and, and general standpoint, like what a what a genius move. <laughs> I love how they all voted to take it off, and then he's <laughs> like, "I didn't tell you guys to take it off," and they're like, "Oh yeah." Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many moments where like the drama, the comedy, and the action just mesh so well. Absolutely, <laughs> that's definitely one of them. Like, like it, it's so funny to me because I'm like, you just gotta imagine if you were a fly on the wall. This is how most of those meetings go. <laughs> like, 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 guys, I think we thought the masks were a good idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, but. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that seems. <laughs> I did not have laughing at the KKK on my bingo card for 2023, but that is funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Stupid idiots. <laughs> oh, but there's so many, there's so many great, great scenes in this movie. And you're right. Like the drama, the comedy and the action. This is, this is to me the reason why this film works so much because <laughs> the drama is drama. Like, it's heavy. Some heavy stuff here. Um, the comedy's funny. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny in the right places. And the action is plentiful. <laughs> the, the story flows just so well. Yeah. Like, and especially I mean, like if you're someone like me who's who's 
you know, introduction to Tarantino was Kill Bill. And mm-hmm. then then follow that with Reservoir Dogs and then follow that with Pulp Fiction. You're like, can this guy tell a straight story? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then you get Jang on Jane and you're like, oh, OK, yeah, yeah, I guess he can. And, and it works <laughs> for an almost three hour film. It feels like an hour and a half. It just it, it runs. It runs. And I love it. I do want so, to talk about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. I was going to say what's next. Uh, I was going to talk about that scene uh, at the ranch when they killed the three brothers. Um, I don't remember which one it is, but the the one he ends up whipping, I don't remember the, the character's name or the actor's name, but the guy he ends up whipping, he actually does whip him. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Wait, like what? that. Yeah. What? The, yeah. The guy that's being whipped on the ground at the, at the ranch. Uh, he, that, that was real. he, <laughs> He was really whipped, and there's one scene in particular where the whip strikes his head and ear, and you can see oh. him like, yeah, you can see him like wince from it because he he got hit, he got hit in the ear, and I was like, ooh, and he talked about it in the interview. He's like, yeah, I think uh, he's like, I had a headache the rest of the day, and I think I lost the sound in my ear for like a week. Like I was like, Jesus, <laughs> talk about method acting. Yeah, very, very method. But like, yeah. Jesus, that's you mean nice. the laundry they fed to the dogs? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember that. No, I, I think that was a different guy. Yeah, but like, yeah, the scene this, where they the, go- the guy that got fed to the dogs was the guy that was uh, fighting when they got to Leonardo's mansion. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, when when they kill the three brothers, you know, he shoots the one guy. The other guy tries to shoot him, and he picks up Django, picks up the whip, and just starts whipping him. Yeah, that that guy. Oh, the white guy. Yeah. Uh like I mean, congratulations <laughs> like on taking taking that. That's impressive. Yeah, amazing. I, like, like you would when I yeah. saw that scene, I was like, "Holy, I, I cause it looked real." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He took a beating, so kudos to you, man. Like way to go the extra mile. And we appreciate, it. yeah, congratulations. That was that's you didn't have to do that, but we're happy that you did because you you made it authentic. Yeah, respect. Yeah, I don't know that I could confidently say I would be like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you'd be well, like, that, I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. That paycheck better be lovely. You understand? <laughs> lovely. <laughs> so let's talk about uh someone else who's who's really good in this movie. Uh it's Carrie Washington. Uh cuz up until this point, like Carrie Washington had had um mostly minor roles. I don't even think Scandal had started yet. <laughs> so um she wasn't mostly she wasn't seen as a as a uh as a like high profile actress at the point at this point. Are we um, talking about Bermilda? Yes. Yeah. Um and she I mean this is this is actually a really impressive performance. I mean she had to learn German like like which, wow. is, which is crazy. Um and you know she brought it uh, like that hot box scene she actually asked to be put in a hot box so that her reaction was authentic the scene where she's being whipped is also authentic she asked to be whipped as well so like yeah 
talk about putting forth the effort <laughs> to to really you know bring your authentic reactions uh to the movie so so are uh, those uh does she actually have like marks from the movie then probably i wouldn't be surprised yes yeah. <laughs> yeah i I, I, never, I never realized how how deep this like i now need to go see the behind the scenes stuff oh yeah so i never realized like how deep the filmmaking went oh yeah like this jeez some some heavy stuff in here and i think like for i i believe jamie fox said that like the movie was authentic but also therapeutic because you know you had so many black characters on the film who were discussing like you know many of these aspects that they knew of but didn't like know exactly how you know they didn't know the inner workings of it or whatever and so like there's certain scenes where they were like you know they didn't even know that that happened so it allowed them to like research and and find out things about you know the past and, and their history and stuff so yeah, it was it was as a film shoot, it was a very interesting and I think uh, cathartic uh, way of answering a lot of questions that I think a lot of people had uh, mm-hmm. in dealing with those topics. So yeah, it, and again, like nothing but props to Quentin Tarantino because like this is something that. You know, he's he he doesn't. Well, he does kind of share a history of but like, you know, this is not his particular history. So for him to, you know, go out on the limb and say, you know, I want to tell this story. I, I I mean, nothing but props to it. I think that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to talk about how stubborn Samuel Jackson's character is in this movie. Oh yeah! Just like he, when he, when when Django first gets there, man, and he's like, "You a free man?" And stuff. I'm like, "Oh my god!" I'm like, "So you're one of those? You're one of those guys who was like really hardcore stubbornness about like, oh my god! I just hit the writing for his character is fantastic too." Yeah, but oh my god, you hate this guy. Yes, you you are supposed to, <laughs> and I think he does a great job of making you you hate him a good deal. Um, actually, I found this out too. There is a deleted scene where you kind of sympathize with him, and I think that's why they took it out. Um, because huh. yeah, there's a scene where Django is supposed to emasculate him, like. Like, you know, because he's playing the role of, you know, a slaver. So and he is technically a slave. So Django, like, you know, spills something and then like makes him pick it up. And then he like steps on his hand or something like that. Like, yeah, just really kind of like outwardly, you know, uh, vicious toward him. But they cut it because it's like, yeah, then we create sympathy for that character and we mm-hmm. don't want that. <laughs> like, like we uh, it makes one hundred percent sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, we want we want people to to definitely hate this character. And there's the scene where Django gives up uh, after after killing everybody, and you see him hanging upside down. And um, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but Samuel Jackson's character is talking to him. Uh, Stephen. Yeah, Stephen. 
in that scene, he actually takes a uh, lit cigarette and he burns Django's nipples. <laughs> like, like, again, but they cut it. I guess they cut it for time, but yeah, that's that's another scene. So, like, if they, if they had kept the scene where, where Django emasculates him, then they would have kept this scene where, where he burns his nipples off. So, because yeah. they cut that one, they had to cut the other one. But, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I think either way, I think either way, it would have still worked, but the context yeah. for us wouldn't have been there. Yeah, I like uh, at the end when he was like, <laughs> when at the end when Django goes to Steven and it's just him, the two of them. Oh yeah, also when he says, uh, "Tell Lara Lee goodbye to like." The other two house slaves, and she goes goodbye, <laughs> and then he just blasts oh. her through the doorway. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, like and, and then he he's like, you know what you didn't think of? Kneecapping. And then he shoots <laughs> me. Yeah. Uh, you know uh, um speaking of like greatly written characters, I loved um Walton Goggins character, Billy Crash. So good. <laughs> yeah, like see it, it's just another one of those one of those actors where since since technically my Tarantino binge began with this, I didn't know he like, cause I'm like, he looks very familiar and I didn't know he was in any other films of his, let alone. Like I was like, I need to search his filmography after this movie. And I'm like, Oh my God, he's in so much that I've watched. So mm-hmm. um, just seeing him getting recast in this, cause he, he was in an older Tarantino film, just seeing him over and over and over in all these certain Tarantino films. I'm like, Hey, look who it is. Look who it is. Yeah, I always love that method because that gives one, an actor, multiple, uh, you know, chances to showcase what they do mm-hmm. and like different characters to play. So like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like good character work. Yeah. And you, you really get to realize how good those guys are and it builds up their resume. And plus, um, I mean, plus, yeah, like you just said, like you, it's great for Tarantino because one, you've worked with them before, you know how they work. You could write the characters for the actors because you yeah. know how how their performances are, and it, it just it just works. So huge props to Tarantino for that. Don Johnson, that was his name, the Big Daddy. The, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew I recognized him. I was like, what the hell was his name? Um, uh, James Remar, who is also in this movie. You may not have noticed this, but he plays two characters. Uh, he plays the character of Butch Pooch. And Ace Spec. Um, really? Yeah. In the beginning, Butch is one of the. He's the uh, slaver that's dragging Django. Oh, in yeah. That, yeah. And he's the one that uh, uh, Doctor Schultz kills. But that that actor comes back again as Ace Spec, who's at uh, Candyland Ranch, and he's the one that ends up shooting uh, Doctor Schultz at the end. So like. So, like, you get that sort of, like, the same characters, the same actors playing two characters. One, uh, the, uh, Dr. Schultz kills, and then that, that same character, that same actor comes back as a different character and kills Dr. Schultz. So I thought that was just hilarious, the way that they did that. And that's just a cool little nod that, that they were able to, to pull that off. You know, um, I I I I don't want to end this review without discussing about uh, talking about this scene of when um, uh, Calvin wants Schultz to shake his hand. 
Mm. That scene is just so good because I'm like, I'm like, he's not going to kill him, right? Like he's mm-hmm. not in a good position to kill this guy. And then out of nowhere, he pulls out his sleeve pistol, pow. I'm like, <laughs> what? And then Schultz gets blown to hell. I'm like, there is no way they just killed this man off. Yeah. I'm like, I thought he was making it to the end, and he just gets blasted. That's the thing about Tarantino. Like, he'll make you fall in love with a character. And and before you know it, that character's gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm like... That's awful. Why would you do that? <laughs> like, Perfectly seen in Hateful Eight. Like, yeah. there was no telling when when a character was going to die there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. When I rewatch this, well, I didn't. I, I feel like maybe I just skipped over. I didn't realize like he was like making out with like his sister, Cotton Candy, Lara Lee's his sister. Oh. <laughs> what? Lara Lee is his sister. Did I if miss you that? Go, if you go back, if you go back and listen to it, he when he gets to Candyland, he introduces go. This is my lovely sister. Mm-hmm. And then he like makes out. Yeah, no, they're siblings. <laughs> Sweet home Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I missed that entirely. <laughs> Maybe yeah. I turned away when that happened. That's. Yeah, because I I watched it. I was like, wait, 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 wait. What? <laughs> I mean, I mean that's totally fair. Like, it's a throwaway line. Like, right? Because like, it's not really when he said introducing, "Hey, this is my sister." That's not really a memorable line. So, I mean, that's very forgettable. It's not registering your brain. Oh my god, that's hilarious! Jesus Christ! Oh man, that's too funny. Yeah, I didn't realize that. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, no, no, because she is married. I'm looking at the cast list. Leo's character name is Calvin Candy, and she's Lara Lee Candy Fitzwilly. Every family's different, guys. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Rich people. Rich people stuff. Uh, I don't know about rich people, even. (laughs) Maybe just uh, certain (laughs) people. So um, I wanted to mention this before um, before we wrapped up um, as well. Like I, I've not like I've been playing a t- super tight budget lately, um, just trying to save up money with the wife, trying to save up for a house. But after I watched this film, I'm like okay, I found my first official physical media for the year. I oh, actually oh. picked up the Blu-ray for Django Unchained. It was during yeah. Prime Day. I'm like it was like three bucks on during Prime Day. I'm like oh my god, that's Perfect. Let me buy it. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I, I just I, I I instantly fell in love with this movie. It is excellent, and you have this movie rated number one on your Tarantino list. One hundred percent. Like I I I can I, I can comfortly I, I not comfortably I can comfortably say that that Django Unchained is his best, Tarantino's best work. Mm. Like I haven't seen all of them, but I would put Pulp Fiction personally yes. above those. Pulp Fiction's good, but Hopefully like excellent. It's it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm excited to dive deeper into Tarantino's filmography with you guys because like I want to reveal my rankings. Mm-hmm. Like you've seen them, you guys have seen them. 
but mm-hmm. I don't want to ver- straight up reveal them on the podcast because that might change as we discuss later on in this filmography. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Yeah. But yeah. I, I, mean, I have this theory, though, uh, when it comes to Tarantino, which is that, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, it depends on what what your introduction to Tarantino is, right? Like, uh, I feel, cause I feel like you could break his filmography down into three different time periods, right? You got the early Tarantino, which is your Reservoir Dogs, your Pulp Fictions, your Jackie Browns. Then you have, you know, mid year, you know, Tarantino, which is like the homage period, which you, where you have, you know, your Kill Bills, your Death Proofs, you know, things like that. And then you have, more modern Tarantino, which has your revisionist stuff. So you have Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Inglorious Bastards, um, Django Unchained, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like depending on where you introduce, whichever one you start with is where you're going to, like, that's where you, the highest part of your ranking is going to be, is is with wherever you started. So See, like, this is where it's going to be. This is where it's kind of where it's kind of cloudy for me, though, because I, Django technically wasn't my first Tarantino film. Mm-hmm. I watched Pulp Fiction and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood before. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you also went out of order, so like, like you kind of throw my theory off all entirely. So like, <laughs> but like, yeah, I know, like me, like the, my first introduction was Kill Bill. And then I immediately went back and, and, and watched Reservoir Dogs. So, like, you asked me, my number one is, is Pulp Fiction, right? Because that's just the height of Tarantino. But I know plenty of people whose first introduction to Tarantino was Reservoir Dogs, and they think Reservoir Dogs is the best, and he's been on the downhill slope ever since. So, like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, there there are those. And then I know, like, Nathan, you know what I'm saying? His first introduction uh, to Tarantino was Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight is his number one, right? Like, because that that was his first introduction. So, like, it really kind of depends on where you catch, you know, this guy, because so many of those periods are so different from the others that, like, you could really like the homage stuff that he does in Kill Bill, you know, and 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 Death Proof, which are, you know, the gearhead kind of movies. Or you can really appreciate the nonlinear storytelling that he originally did with Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown and all of those. Or you can appreciate the revisionist history that he does now. So, like, it really just depends because none of those films, like, none of those periods mirror each other. They're so very vastly different from the others. So it just really depends on which one you gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. But um, that's my theory anyway. So let's wrap this up. Final ratings. What are you giving Django Unchained? Brandon, we'll start with you because you're probably the most obvious. <laughs> Easy five stars. I I keep saying this with a lot of films, like when I mean there's there there were films where I'm like, okay, uh, I can see where this is going. I think it'll eventually get to five stars. Mm. This was an easy five stars for me. Like from the first hour in, I'm like, oh, this is already gonna be a five star movie for me. <laughs> Zach, what about you? I have it at four and a half stars. Mm. Uh, come on, don't be stingy. No. <laughs> um, I think originally I had this set at four stars. Yeah, I I, I had a set at four stars. Um, 
but that may go up. Uh, yeah, it'll probably go up, but yeah, it'll probably go to about a four and a half as well. Um, but like I said, like Tarantino has so many good films, <laughs> like, like this, this, like his four star films are five star films for everyone else. You know what I'm saying? So like this, this is top tier Tarantino in my eyes. And I, and you know what I'm saying? So I may have to readjust how my ranking is actually because of after seeing this again. So four and a half from me and Zach, five stars from Brandon. Uh, and that's our thoughts on Django Unchained. Fantastic movie. If you have not seen it yet, highly recommended. It. It's only 11 years old. <laughs> so go and check it out. Uh, you can do like Brandon did and just go and get the DVD. Or sorry, the Blu-ray. Um, or I think it's available streaming somewhere, maybe. I don't know. Um, it's on Prime. It's on Prime. Okay, so that's perfect. Yep. If you got Prime, which you should, <laughs> check out Django Unchained and let us know your thoughts. Alright. So with that, gentlemen, what's been good? What's good, what's good, what's good? Well, uh, I guess I'll start. I mean, I haven't watched a lot of older movies recently, and uh, for what's good, like because of the strikes going on right now, I know we're going to stick with saying to watch older films for right now. Um, So recently, I did watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I thought it was pretty good. Um, Good. You haven't seen it? it, No. Never saw it until recently. Oh, wow. Okay. It didn't really blow me away, to be honest. I thought it was like a pretty good movie, but I think it's worth watching. It's just, I feel like, I don't know, for me personally, I did expect a little bit more. It doesn't mean it's not good. I just was expecting more from it. Like, cause I th- feel like I was expecting more like Babylon, mm. like when I watched it. And to me, Babylon's just superior <laughs> when it comes to that. So. Yeah. Okay. But it's still a good movie. I would still check it out. So yeah, my recommendation is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood if you haven't seen it. Nice, Brandon. What about you? I have about forty uh, something, forty five. <laughs> what's goods lined up for the rest of this year? <laughs> so um, I think I'm going to start off <clears throat> with um, saying that I watched um, Footlight Parade, which came out in um, 1933. It was one of the first few, um, I guess, talking musicals. Um, mm. And it, you can't, I don't think you can really consider it as a musical because it's a movie about them making a musical. Mm. But, oh, my God, just the, 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 the sequence, the, the acting, the writing, just the sequences where they're, like, performing, their performances on, uh, for, like, during the musical and just what they were able to accomplish, the set pieces – Oh my God. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, um, I think I ended up giving this a five stars just like, just based on that entire ending of the movie. Like I was just, my jaw dropped when I saw them pull off what they were able to do. So yeah, for me, it's Footlight Parade. Nice. Interesting that both me and Brandon are going with older films from the studio era. Um, you guys know that I 
am obsessed with Barbie. <laughs> like Greta Gerwig's Barbie. Love, 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 love this movie. So because of that, I she has a list of like the, the 33 films that inspired Barbie. So I've been checking those out. And I got around to watching this movie called A Matter of Life and Death. It's from 1946. And I kid you not, it might be one of the best films I've ever seen. <laughs> like, like, I kid you not. It is so freaking good. Um, it's, it's part romance, part, uh, you know, fantasy and part legal drama, which if you can imagine putting those three concepts together. Um, but it is fantastic. It is from 1946. So this is probably like an RKO pictures <laughs> production or whatever, like super old film, but the acting is fantastic. The, the writing is fantastic. It, it's such a good movie. I don't even want to spoil it for you guys. So like, I highly recommend checking it out. A matter of life and death. Um, I am going to, I'm c- continuing on my Greta Gerwig watch list. So much like Brandon, I will have recommendations <laughs> throughout the season, probably just from this one list, but, uh, highly recommend checking out a matter of life and death. Absolutely fantastic movie. I actually, I actually saw you, uh, you finally watched the Truman show. I did. Yeah. That is it. That's on my top 10 of all time. Yeah. I love that movie. Fantastic movie. Like literally fantastic. And that was another Super excited one to review that at some point. Yeah. So, uh, there you have it. A matter of life and death for me, footlight parade for Brandon. Once upon a time in Hollywood for Zach. Highly recommend checking all of those out. They're all fantastic movies. And that has been what is good from us here at Film Code. And now it is that time. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You're going to need a bigger boat. Brandon, you had the code word this week. Oh, let's hear it. Remind everyone what your code word was and all of your clues, please. Code word is tennis ball. The film came out, and I went with something newer, uh, came out between 2018 and 2023. 2018 and 2023. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an Oscar-nominated film, and the director's first feature-length film was this one. All so, right. in film code fashion, who... I think Phoenix is in, in the lead right now. So Zach, yes. yeah. So I, Brandon, I want to say I think me and Phoenix know exactly what this movie is because it's kind of obvious, right? But but yeah. at the same time, I feel like we should get an extra point if it's not his first feature film. <laughs> so my my pick is King Richard because it's a tennis movie. It literally was an Oscar-nominated film recently. I just don't think it's his first feature film. And looking through other films, other films between that time, I just don't see what else you would put for tennis ball. So I'm going to go with King Richard. Okay. Phoenix? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
that's what I was thinking last night as well, is that it would be King Richard because that was like the most obvious one. Um, but yeah, like we said, that that couldn't be because Ronaldo Marcus Green has like two other feature length films. So I was like, so it, it can't be that. Um, if it is, I'm going to be very pissed. <laughs> uh, so I went digging. I did my best. <laughs> I don't think this is it, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, I went with a movie from 2020. Was Oscar nominated in several categories. Uh, did end up winning one Oscar for the screenplay. Uh, it was the director's feature film. The director is Emerald Fennell. And I went with her 2020 film, Promising Young Woman. I do not know if there's a tennis reference in this movie but i don't recall it so yeah but i went with promising young woman because it fit everything else so there we go <laughs> happy to announce that i will get my happily get my two points <laughs> what was this trash movie <laughs> marcel the shell with shoes on oh my god <laughs> you're kidding me Oh my god. Dude, this was literally like me and Zach, one of Zach's favorite movies. Oh my god. I completely forgot it. He rose totally. around in a freaking tennis ball. <laughs> oh my god. I'm so pissed because I love that movie. Love that movie. Oh wow, I'm disappointed in us both. <laughs> I just oh. watched it with the wife the other day. Oh. And oh. as I was watching it, I'm like, this is my code word. This is my code word. I, nope. Nope. Easy. I oh, love, love this movie. movie. <laughs> like, it, like, it's so good. It's so good. Like, oh. It's just a wholesome movie. Yes. <laughs> it really is. Wow. I'm sorry, guys. I'm pissed that you gave it three and a half stars, Brandon. <laughs> Yeah. Ugh. But did you just post that? I see. I just I just now logged it because I didn't want to log it the other day and be, you guys be like, "Oh, maybe it's this." Mm. Okay, solid. Yeah, no, but Marcel the Shell, what she was on, is an absolutely fantastic movie. <laughs> um, I'm so disappointed in us. I'm so bad. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so mad at us, but. See? Because this this wasn't even one of those things where we're, I don't think I think it was before we started recording. And Zach was like, "I swear to God, it's just this one scene where somebody passes somebody a tennis ball." Nope, nope. The tennis ball was like a, a, not a crucial part of the film, but heavily used. It was oh in like every scene, almost like <laughs> where he's roving around the stupid tennis ball. I hate me. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was great. That was good. I'm so mad. Uh, I forgot I about that one. picture nom too. I can't believe I forgot about that. No, it didn't. It just got, I think it just got animated feature. It best got best animated. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, good job. That uh, was good. That was good. I'm disappointed that we didn't get that, but that was good. Great, great, great code word. Oh, yeah. yeah whenever you play Oscar nominated, I didn't even think about the other categories. I just went straight for best picture. Yeah. Um, 
Damn it. Uh, that was good. All right. <laughs> so while Zach and I are kicking ourselves, Brandon, let everybody know where they can find you. You guys can find um, me at F-A-N-T-A-S-M-I-C ears over on Twitter and Letterboxd. I'm still hardly using Twitter, but slowly getting back into it. Uh, but Letterboxd, I'm binging through movies, so go check out what I'm watching over there. And yeah, thank you guys again for listening. Um, yeah. <laughs> Zach, where can everybody find you, sir? You guys can find me on X and Instagram. <laughs> At Zach Sneath, that's Z A C H S N E A T H. You can find my Zeets there. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you guys can find me on Letterboxd at uh, Z Sneath, that's Z S N E A K S. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm never calling it that. <laughs> you guys find me on Twitter <laughs> at IMHLReviews1. That's the number one. And on Letterboxd under PA Clouded. And as always, guys, please follow the show on Twitter, Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, and Threads at FilmCodePod. We will see you guys next week. We are out of here. Peace.